Welcome back to another episode of E-Conversations with NAEB. This episode is a webinar replay from the February 2024 NAEB Outlook Survey Results Webinar held on February 26, 2024. NAEB Outlook Survey Chair Mervyn Jebraj discusses the results with the rest of the Outlook Survey Committee and takes questions from the audience. Mervyn is the Director of the Center for Business and Economic Research at the University of Arkansas. Mervyn, take it away. Thank you, Caitlin. Good afternoon, everyone. And uh, like Caitlin mentioned, we're very lucky to have everyone on the panel join us today for this webinar. So uh, everyone's going to talk about uh, a couple of different sections, monetary policy, GDP, inflation, uh, labor, and uh, the risks to our economy. Uh, just before we do that, some really quick notes. We had 41 professional forecasters participate in the survey this time. Uh, the outlook covers 2024 and 2025 for the first time in our outlook survey. Uh, it was conducted uh, for the week leading up to uh, Valentine's Day this year, um, which might have been why our outlook, as you'll see, is a little rosy. Uh, and our uh, survey originated in 1965. So our survey committee joining us today, uh, myself, Kathy, Beth Ann, Ryan, Jack, and Martin. So before uh, we look at the next slide here, we'll um, go, I'll talk about the one highlight, which I did indicate is our forecast is rosier uh, than we've had in past uh, quarters when we've done this survey. Uh, Kathy will do monetary policy, Beth Ann will do GDP, Ryan inflation, Jack will do labor, and Martin will do risks. And after that, we will be around for discussion and questions. Uh, really quickly on top line, comparing our February outlook survey to the uh, Fed's summary of economic projections that came from December. On a quarter over quarter basis for 2024, fourth quarter over fourth quarter, our uh, GDP forecast is about 0.1% higher than the Fed's SAP at this point. Uh, the unemployment rate forecast for the fourth quarter of this year is 4% versus 4.1, which the Fed had. Our PCE forecast is again 0.3% lower on a fourth quarter or fourth quarter basis. Our core uh, PCE forecast is about 0.2% lower than the Fed SCP. And our Fed funds rate is basically the same at about 46 uh, for year and 2024. So speaking of Fed's funds rate, I'm going to turn it over to Kathy to talk us through the monetary policy section. Thank you, Mervyn. Um, so looking at the um, survey results uh, for, from February, uh, the overall view is that the Fed is um, likely to cut interest rates uh, another three times um, by the end of the year. And um, that is uh, a, a little bit more than the 63 basis points uh, reduction that was uh, forecast in, in December. Um, and then the respondents are looking for another roughly 125 basis points uh, by the end of 2025. So lowering the Fed funds rate, as you can see there, to 3.38%. Um, now, comparing that to the markets, um, it's, it's not all that different. Uh, markets actually, as probably many of you know, were much more aggressive in expecting uh, rate cuts for this year, actually, you know, well over 100 percent 
basis points at one point. Uh, that has paired back, been paired back. So uh, markets still see a little bit more, I'd say about 82% or 82 basis points by the end of this year. Um, but for next year, actually, the, the NAEP forecasters uh, are looking for a slightly lower Fed funds rate. Um, I would say the market's based on so far future rates looking for somewhere around 3.6%. Um, and if we take a look at the next slide, you'll see in terms of the timing, um, there's most don't, uh, or none think that the, the rate cuts will, will begin before May. Um, but but most think it's either you know May or June, and right now the the uh, share looking for uh, the respondents looking for rate cuts to begin in in May is twenty eight percent, while in in June it's a little bit more than half. And and again that is not so far off from what the markets are, are pricing in right now. Um, markets have sharply reduced uh, their. Um, expectations for a May rate cut uh, down to a, a roughly 17% based on the Fed funds futures. Um, and then for a June start to, to rate cuts, that's been dropped down to, to 70%. Uh, and again, this, this has followed um, stronger inflation data and stronger economic data uh, along the way. Let's take a look at the next slide. Um, so we asked um, the panelists their views on what the neutral Fed funds rate uh, is, and then um, that means when policy is ne neither accommodative or restrictive. And there, um, the panelists really split uh, in their um, forecast. So about a quarter uh, of uh, the survey respondents think that the neutral rate is between two and a half and, and two point. 74 percent. Um, the Federal Reserve, the FOMC, uh, in their uh, projections peg it at the median at, at two and a half, just as a reference. Um, and then um, a, a, about another roughly almost quarter uh, think that it, it falls between 2.75 and, and 3 percent. Um, but 15 percent suggests it's less than two and a half and the remaining respondents suggest that it could be 3% uh, or, or higher. So again, pretty wide divergence, which I think, again, matches a lot of the uncertainty and even what's in the markets right now of what the actual neutral rate is. Uh, clearly, with the Fed having aggressively raised rates, but the economy still uh, rising and moving at a, a pretty healthy clip in terms of GDP growth and consumer spending, it's not a surprise that there's some uncertainty of what actually is a, a the, you know more of a restrictive rate or, or even the neutral rate. We take a look at the next slide, and, and I'll just finish up uh, with um, expectations of where the 30-year fixed mortgage rate will be. Um, more than a half think it, it will settle between 6% and 6.4 uh, by the end of this year. Uh, given that rates have backed up and mortgage rates are back above, uh, you know, around 7% and 10-year yields having risen, uh, that may be optimistic at this point. Um, and then 18% actually see it between 65 and and 6.9%. Uh, approximately one quarter think that the mortgage rate will fall below 6% by the end of the year. So pretty optimistic uh, on that front. Um, and I will leave it there. I think actually we're passing on to, sorry, to uh, Beth Ann. Uh, great. Thank you, Kathy. And uh, kind of going on with a little bit still 
of the the optimistic and uh, kind of environment that we're looking at when we see this uh, outlook survey. Um, looking at this chart, as you can see, uh, you know the the panelists that uh, that uh, replied to this survey saw a much stronger growth forecast this year than what panelists expected in December of 2023. Overall, uh, the median uh, GDP growth outlook is now at about 2.2% uh, for 2024, which is almost one percentage points higher than the December uh, outlook survey. You can see a lot of that was front loaded in the first half of this year, but still you can see strength um, later on in the year as well. Um, it's, it's part of the reasons why is something that uh, Kathy had mentioned, a little bit more, a more dovish Fed is supporting uh, you know, uh, I guess panel expectations for a soft landing or maybe even a no landing, uh, but a, a more dovish Fed. And later on, we'll have someone, uh, one of our panelists talking about the jobs market, which also seems a little bit stronger as well. Uh, the median forecast for, uh, for, for, um, for, uh, for the year, a lot of this Saul was a lot of it, the revisions were broad-based across different sectors. If we go to the next slide, looking at what happens in particular consumer spending. Uh, we know that last year got a huge uh, gain or boost from consumer spending and uh, likely tied to possibly the momentum uh, from last year moving into this year. You can see that uh, forecasters ex are as expecting consumer spending to hold up relatively well, as you can see, uh, looking particularly, actually it's across all uh, the quarters. Um, you can see, uh, you can see, actually you can see February is a little softer than what you would see normally, but still rather, rather strong readings. In other forecasts, we did see, uh, we did see um, uh, government spending holding up relatively well, as well as, gov uh, as well as private investment. We also noted, not in this chart, but we did note that uh, the trade deficit is also projected to be, by forecasters, to be narrower, narrower with both uh, median forecasts for uh, exports um, are likely to be higher and imports likely to, to be lower than the, in the previous survey, also supporting growth uh, this year. Now, as for um, for 2025, uh, we do see, we still see a, um, a continued, I guess you could say soft landing with growth uh, projected to be median forecast for annual growth for 2025 is projected to be about 1.7%. Uh, percent. We do see a little bit of a flip in terms of the sectorial changes. We do see um, we do see consumer and government spending uh, moderate for 2025 moderating relative to 2024 forecasts. But um, we do see continued strength in fixed investment, particularly real estate investments, uh, moving uh, relative to what we saw in 2024. Interestingly, say is that if indeed we do see um, if the panelists you know, if if indeed uh, what the survey is highlighting, which is a soft landing or possibly even a no landing, um, if, if that is proves to be the case, it will be the first time uh, the United States saw a soft landing since 1995. Mm -hmm. Again, um, on a another positive piece of news, I, I guess I will pass that on to Ryan, I believe. And I'll stop there. Thanks, Beth Ann. So, uh, I don't have a slide on the, the CPS uh, projections from the current survey, but uh, getting back to Kathy's point about the path of monetary policy, it really runs through 
the inflation outlook because uh, the Fed has clearly signaled that they don't need to see a noticeable weakening in the labor market or economic activity you know, measured by GDP to justify cutting interest rates as long as there's continued progress on the inflation front. And according to the latest uh, NAEP survey, uh, economists generally think you know, the deceleration that in, in inflation that we saw last year will continue into uh, 2024 and into 2025. Uh, so if you look at the core PCE deflator, uh, NAEP panelists expect further deceleration throughout this year, uh, ending this year Q4 over Q4, just within spitting distance of the Fed's 2% target on the PC deflator, which is you know, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. Uh, and then in 2025, we uh, NAEP panelists expect in the median uh, projection is for it to be about 2%. Uh, if you do compare this NAEP survey to the Fed's summary of economic projections, uh, by mid-year, inflation's actually at or a little bit below uh, what the Fed's projecting. And I think that's what's feeding into expectations around either a May or June uh, rate cut by NAEP panelists. Uh, if you strip out food and energy from the, uh, the PC deflator, that's, so that's the core PC deflator, uh, an economist, we look at this as uh, a good predictor of where inflation is heading. And again, a very similar story, further deceleration in core inflation throughout this year and in the year right within you know, uh, uh, close proximity to the Fed's target. And then we're right on target, uh, right around target in 2025. Uh, one thing of note is from the survey, there's still a large forecast dispersion. And just this forecast dispersion could be a good proxy for uncertainty in the inflation forecast. And that's quite large. So the largest or uh, the top five highest forecast for inflation this year versus the lowest five forecast for inflation this year is still quite uh, uh, noticeable. That's not uh, too surprising given you know all the uncertainty around uh, the path of nominal wage growth, when rental inflation is going to start to show up, show up, but uh, the forecast for healthcare inflation. So it's not too surprising that economists, which you know typically we don't agree on anything. Uh, you know, there is a wide dispersion in the uh, the forecast for uh, for the next couple of years. But overall, the general contours of the forecast or the general takeaway is that inflation is going to continue to moderate. And uh, contingent on that is uh, the labor market. And I'll pass on to Jack to discuss the results there. Thanks, Ryan. Um, yes, uh, uh, you can see certainly the job market appears to be much, uh, much more on firmer ground than in December. Uh, not surprising, the forecast uh, came out as strong as it did after we heard we saw the uh, payroll growth uh, that uh, in January and also revisions in November and December. Uh, so that was certainly part of the revisions. Uh, panelists uh, have revised their uh, their job growth uh, still below the average that we saw for 2023, which was about 255,000 average monthly non-farm payroll. Uh, to that extent, uh, we're seeing a little step down into the second quarter, but staying uh, pretty steady through the rest of the year. Uh, the next slide, I believe, has uh, the median forecast for uh, our civilian unemployment rate again. Uh, much stronger uh, belief in the in the labor market uh, compared to where we uh, saw back in uh, December of last year. 
really unemployment staying very moderate uh, in terms of being under 4% uh, through the first half of the year, and then staying pretty steady through uh, the remainder of 2025. Uh, panelists um, do, uh, the panelists' projections do vary widely, just like Ryan was stating uh, that the uh, there's a quite a dispersion of five lowest estimates for unemployment were around 3.6% uh, by the fourth quarter of this year, but at the other end, the five highest forecasts were as high as 5%. Again, probably an indication of the uncertainty uh, in this, uh, why we have such a divergence. So, uh, and finally, just looking at uh, employment compensation, uh, it's uh, growing faster than previously uh, forecasted or projected in the December survey. Non-farm business compensation is projected to increase about 3.9%, uh, and that's up from the anticipated 3.7% in the December survey. Uh, and then going out to 2025, uh, we're looking at about 3.4% compensation rate uh, for non-farm payroll. And I'll let Martin pick up where I left off. Okay, Th thank you, Jack. Uh, I just wanted to talk briefly about uh, the survey questions uh, that we have uh, on opinions. Uh, and uh, these relate to what are the risks of, uh, of the forecast, both the consensus forecast, both uh, up and down. And you can see, this is a, interesting, you can see that the on balance, uh, 40% of the respondents, almost 38%, feel that their forecasts are uh, balanced, that there's uh, neither an uh, upside or downside potential. But uh, and but almost equally, a 41% feel that there's a, there's a, an upside potential. Uh, sorry, it's a downside potential. So there's looks like there's uh, room for growth here based on these on these uh, numbers. Uh, let me see the next slide, Caitlin. I wanted to talk about that. So when you look at the downside risk, um, and this has been consistent over the since the last survey too, that too much monetary tightness is considered by the panelists to be the most significant downside risk, and it's and it's uh, overwhelming. It's forty one percent. The next highest is a, a, a consumer or corporate uh, credit crunch. Um, one interesting thing to note is that. Um, the broadening of the war in Ukraine and the and the war in the Middle East is uh, only 13% in this survey. Uh, in the December survey, it was 26%. So there's a, a, a sense that that is not going to be a downside risk to the economy. Uh, there were some other uh, factors noted uh, in the 10% uh, of the respondents had other issues that were they were concerned about. Uh, one is the fragility of the financial sector, and then also uh, the potential for corporate profits, that there's fragility there. Uh, and then we can look at the next slide. On the upside risk, uh, it's a uh, increasingly uh, stronger productivity growth is considered the upside uh, risk to the economy. Uh, and that's so and it's very difficult to forecast. So. Uh, it's it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds, but most of the panel, well, not most, but 41% of the panelists feel that 
uh, it'll it's a uh, a significant uh, upside potential to economic growth. Uh, and I wonder if in the next survey that'll be even higher. But in this survey, it's certainly higher than it was in December. Uh, the Fed achieves a soft landing, as uh, Beth Ann mentioned. Uh, a quarter of the respondents feel that that's the case. The uh, <clears throat> uh, it's interesting on that that uh, three quarters of the respondents feel that uh, overall feel that a soft landing is uh, is is what it will happen. And so there's a, a a wide consensus, and as as Mervin mentioned at the beginning. A very optimistic and rosy outlook for the U.S. economy. Um, I think that's the last slide, isn't it, uh, Caitlin? Oh, one more fiscal policy. Sorry. Uh, so, whether fiscal policy uh, will have an inflationary effect or whether it's going to play a role in the in the forecast, it looks like it. The most people are sanguine about the outlook for federal. Uh, 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 spending. It's a small and positive role. Half the respondents feel that it's a small and positive role. Um, and then 40% uh, 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 feel that it won't play a role at all, or if they do, it'll be a small and negative role. So uh, I think it's uh, overall very optimistic outlook. All right. We have a Q&A feature on this. We will take your questions there. Uh, I'll take my prerogative here to ask the first question. Uh, Jack and Martin, both of you are actual forecasters on this panel this time. Uh, so what if your forecast did change upwards, what were the reasons? Well, I, for us, uh, we it didn't actually change upward from our December outlook. We we were we were optimistic in the December outlook. I think, um, and it'll be interesting uh, as we go forward. Uh, we feel that in our in our kind of model, uh, productivity is a very important driver, and we spend a lot of time modeling that. And that's uh, something that uh, we feel is a, a very important. Uh, looking forward to this year, we think that's uh, will have a very positive impact. In looking at the. Uh the outlook uh, and comparing it to December, I think the, the pivotal point for me was certainly, uh, at least at this point, was the uh, the up, updraft we saw in jobs. Um, I think uh, from a retail standpoint, uh, consumer spending is a function of uh, confidence in their income and their confidence in their job. Now, I believe that we'll see a shift down in consumer spending uh, to a certain extent, but organic growth is still there. We're getting new jobs into the economy and new jobs are gonna create uh, new spending, albeit we're really getting down to a replacement rate uh, based on what I see in the data. But nonetheless, I think the consumer continues to show its resilience. And I felt that uh, you know a number of things, number of factors, uh, since December, lower lower inf inflation in some cases, stronger job growth, um, and we we had a fairly decent um, end of the year spend that, that occurred. So those are some of the factors that changed my mind a bit, not uh, dramatically, but certainly shifted upward the uh, outlook for the uh, GDP. Anybody else want to jump in on that? Or? 
Uh, this is Beth Ann. I was just going to, there, there's two points I wanted to make. One was I have been a bit more optimistic about the productivity story. Uh, again, the Fed seemed to put some cold water on that at the their last meeting, but it seems to be uh, somewhat, you know, let's see if it's a trend, but it does seem promising. And I do agree with Jack. I mean, the, the resilience of the uh, the private sector, particularly the household sector, has been uh, some, a big cushion for this, uh, for this uh, hopefully soft, soft landing that the U.S. is experiencing. Then Brett asks, uh, rate changes generally and historically, the Fed does not like to change rates past May in presidential election years. Why would this year be different? Our forecasters are all starting their rate cuts at that April, a May meeting and June. Uh, so why would this time be different other than that's what the Fed, <laughs> it's what's in their own SEP. Well, I know for us, we don't, we don't look at the electoral calendar at all in our forecast. I get that, you know, we don't, economists don't get out much either. So we don't see a lot of some, some parts of the world. And I can see, I can see us being myopic with that. Oh yeah, that in, in, in hindsight, looking at that. But. I mean, one thing that I would add is we've looked at, uh, you know, tightening easing cycles around election years, and there isn't really a clear cut pattern. You know, the Fed's going to really want to communicate that every meeting is an open meeting. I mean, at least historically, if the election is right around a meeting, they probably take that one off. But there is no precedence for the Fed waiting to either raise interest rates or cut interest rates just because of uh, the presidential election. So, you know, if the Fed needs to cut, they're going to cut because they are quasi uh, independent. There's a question on here about when, where we expect to see the 10-year treasuries at the end of 24 and 25. Our forecasters had the 10-year treasury at 3.82 at the end of 24, 3.7 at the end of 25. The other question there is why do we expect the 10-year treasury to decline to that level? You want to take that? Uh, yeah, I'll take that, Mervyn. Uh, I, I think that... Um... Part of that reflects the fact that the, the respondents think the Federal Reserve is going to uh, continue to cut interest rates right this year and then even more so next year. And, and the fact that inflation continues to moderate, as we said, is a pretty rosy outlook, um, strong growth, lower inflation, lower interest rates um, and economic growth, even though it's looking quite resilient, is still going to be moderating compared to, you know, where we have been. So uh, I think that all makes sense. I, I think, you know, the, the probably the, the biggest movement though in rates will be, if, if the respondents are correct, will be in the short end, you know, two-year treasury note yields, which have backed up quite substantially over the last couple of weeks. Those will be what rallies the most uh, going forward. Again, if, if the survey is correct in, and that the Fed's uh, you know, meaningfully cuts rates, you know, over the next, you know, 18 months or so. Anybody else want to do that one? No? All right. The other question, I guess, is uh, how accurate have we been before? Mm. Uh, how accurate are the NAB forecasts over time? And what is the largest apparent contributor to deviation between forecasts and actual results? This is an interesting question. I don't know if we've been brave enough to put uh, our forecasts up against real values in the chart. Maybe we should. 
Jack, you've, I think you've been on here longer. Oh, well, don't, don't look at me because I'm the old guy here. I mean, I think we should look at it. In fact, I think I've seen studies done and comparing our, our uh, forecasts actual as also with other surveys. So it might be kind of useful just as an ex, you know, an exercise that could uh, provide more perspective. So uh, Mervyn, why don't you put that on your uh, jobs, uh, job in your job jar? I'll put it on there, and if it's good, I'll publish it. No, no, no. There's that academic background coming through strong. <laughs> it, 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 may, it may be useful to also just benchmark it against other forecasters, right? Can benchmark course, it yeah. against Fed and maybe yeah. IMF, something like that. Fed, you got uh, Philadelphia Fed, you got Blue GFB. There's a number of them that would be. But I know that there's been some work. I just haven't. I can't pull it out of uh, my memory at this time. Was a question if we disagreed with any of the consensus view? Did any of us disagree with the consensus view? Our consensus being here, I guess, that we have positive growth in 2024. Um, from from my perspective, I'm, I I've been pretty uh, I, for a good while. I've been expecting a soft landing, so that wasn't so. In, in a sense, I'm in line with that. But I do think that uh, I think that you know markets and even maybe this forecast might be a little bit more sanguine about how the Fed, uh, how dovish the Fed will be. I'm not as uh, I'm a I'm a little bit more in a conservative camp, I suspect. But it's a small. I mean, we're talking, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Not nothing dramatic. But we're talking about an economy that's averaging along its long-term trend or a little bit higher and certainly even higher than potential. So it, it, as much as we talk about a soft landing, I think we're aloft. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I just, it's all, it's all perspective and how you see it. Good. Um, I think, unless anybody else has any other comments about uh, productivity. I guess my real question to all of you would be, it's 2% growth soft landing, or is that a good year? Feels like a no landing to me at this point in time, but I guess we'll see. That, uh, of course, you don't know when it ends because 2025 is also, is below potential at 1.7. So when do we call it soft, so. On that note, uh, Caitlin, do we have anything else to do or? I think we're all First, set. Thank you, Caitlin, for your help you, setting yeah. this up. <laughs> And our Thank brilliant you. editors, Ken and Melissa and Kate, as well. Yeah, we certainly couldn't do it without them. And uh, on that note, I'd like to thank each of you uh, for all your work and analysis on today's call and in the survey. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of eConversations with Nate. Be sure to follow us and click the bell icon to stay up to date with our latest releases. You can also keep up with us by checking out our website, neeb.com, following us on LinkedIn, or following us on X at neeb underscore econ.